The world is ever changing and sometimes we just need a helping hand. Hey, it's one more about the Rama. New apps here, new tech there, it's all very exciting. But it's nice to have something you can count on. Like insurance from State Farm. ¿Tienes preguntas sobre tu seguro? Con State Farm puedes llamar a tu agente o conectar con ellos. Aprende más en es.statefarm.com Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Life is full of surprises. Some good, some not so much. Hola, it's Honey. Hola, it's Carolina. Y sabes que estar preparado para cualquier cosa es importante. Whether that's in our roles as mothers, wives, businesswomen, or podcasters. On our show Life in Spanglish, you know that being open to unexpected turns has been an important part of our success. Pero we can use some help. Oh yes, la buena ayuda is welcome. Y si pasa algo, tranquilitos. Isn't it good knowing that with a State Farm agent you can worry less because someone will be personally invested in safeguarding your goals? Plus, they have the options to talk to a real person whenever a customer needs, especially when those unexpected turns come up. It's the personalized attention you can count on. Aprende más en es.statefarm.com Como un buen vecino, State Farm está ahí. This is an official download from thecustardtv.com Hello everyone and welcome to the Custard TV podcast. It is me you're hearing, which means that Luke unfortunately is away um, for the next couple of shows. But I am joined by a couple of guests. Saying that guests, they're the sort of guests who know where the downstairs loo is when they come round. They don't have to ask. Um, first off, first off, well, as he talks, it's, it's Gary's back with us. Hello, Gary. Hello. You used the word unfortunately Luke's away. That's not a word I would use. Okay, what was uh, the word you'd use? Fortunately, uh, what I would go for. Uh, <laughs> I don't. I feel. I don't. I don't feel that I'm going to get shouted at as much on this podcast. Thankfully. Oh, okay. Back by popular demand is Sarah. Hello, Sarah. Very available, Sarah Kennedy. <laughs> <laughs> so while the cat's away, the mice will play. Is this like the custard TV takeover? What should we call it this week? Well, I like. The, I like the idea of the custard TV takeover. Although I think Anna right. and Deck, uh, <laughs> Deck might sue, and they're very, very well, takeaway, isn't it? <laughs> well, yeah, but you know, it's it's very similar. They're very litigious. I've heard the. Uh, I don't the want any custard takeaway, thank you. I don't think it would travel well. Do you, do you know? Has it taken you, Sarah, as long as it took Luke to know why it's called the custard TV? I understood before Luke had that revelation. <laughs> ten years, ten years he's been doing that. <laughs> oh, bless him! But you didn't tell him either, Gary. I thought I didn't think I would have to. He was the owner of the web. Sorry, the owner and runner of the website, as he so obviously reminds us every he, week. He took it over from someone from the London area. And oh. He didn't do his research. That's not my no. fault. <laughs> this is the Custard TV podcast. Yes, that will entertain me briefly. From thecustardtv.com. On the podcast this week, we will be talking about two new dramas, uh, BBC Two's The North Water and Sky. Now, they've changed all the Sky channels, haven't they? What, what was this on? Sky something? I think, is it um, Sky Max? Yeah, Sky Max. Sky, Sky Max was Sky One. And the Sky Showcase like, as well. Does anyone fancy some Sky Max? <laughs> <laughs> Have they got diet? I only want diet Sky Max. Oh, sorry, they um, haven't got any. <laughs> I'm not interested. They're showing some things on Sky Max and then showing them also on Sky Comedy at the same time, very confusingly. Although there's Sky, I, I think Sky, I, I should have done some research into this. Uh, Luke, Luke, this is where Luke will be shouting us now. <laughs> uh, Sky, I think Sky Max is a channel where they show things from all the other Sky channels. 
So I think or actually that, Wolf was on Sky showcase? Sky Showcase. I'm not sure. We should have done. Some, <laughs> should have done some I, I would I would think logically. Shy, Sky, I see. I'm doing it now. Sky <laughs> Showcase. <laughs> put my teeth back in. Is the channel that shows things from other channels. That makes sense because that's what a showcase is. Yeah. Literally. Yeah. So so it might be on Sky Showcase and Sky Comedy at the same time. Though. Maybe just get Now TV and put it in the search bar, and it's all good. Yeah. yeah. If anyone's listening and tell us yeah. what the hell you're doing, please email. And also um, two new comedies, uh, Alma's Not Normal and uh, Back to Life, both of which are on the iPlayer by the time you listen to this. So uh, we will start, as we were debating on what channel it was on, new drama Wolf that has come from Paul Abbott, uh, previously gave us No Offence and Shameless. This was um, on um, Friday night at nine o'clock. I believe you can now stream all of it, like most things, uh, if you have now TV or Sky TV. Cast led by a gentleman named Babu Sise. And the only other person that I really, well, there's two other people that I really recognise. There's uh, Amanda Abington and uh, and also Natalia Tenner for any Game of Thrones Friends fans. She was Osha. She plays Wolf, the lead character's uh, ex-wife or estranged wife. We start off very simply with what looks like somebody breaking into somebody's house. But we realise very quickly that Wolf is breaking into his ex-wife's house uh, in order to try and uh, catch her out in having a supposed affair or whatever. He is a crime scene investigator and he's actually a professor. And there's certain things you learn about Wolf as the episode goes on that very strange. You learn it's his birthday, but you don't learn that until about two thirds three. You learn that he teaches classes. You learn that he suffers from OCD, although they use some very similar and well-known tropes. So he runs a crime scene investigation team and they've got a brand new member so you learn as you do through her, like you do in most sort of new dramas. Their investigation this week is around an engineer who got put into a meat grinding machine. It, it, it seems to focus very much around the investigation of the week and then the life of Wolf and his employees as well. I don't know. Wolf to me was almost they're trying to make him like a house like character. He's not quirky enough for that. He's not eccentric enough, despite the fact that he drinks like most detectives on television. Uh, and 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 has his kind of quirks. He's not quite quirky enough. He's a bit too normal to be unique and distinctive. He has quite the kind of like uh, the silent witness with more money uh, crime scene investigation team. And and again, a bit like silent witness, you're thinking, why are crime scene investigators so involved in a in a crime? You know, you think that's the job of the police. And I think that was my main issue with it. Again, is I'm not quite sure how much crime scene investigators get involved. In, in the solving of a crime like this. They're, they're very much behind the scenes and Wolf doesn't seem like a character that's going to be allowed to be behind the scenes. The show had a pleasant pace. The dialogue was bouncy at times. The kind of, you know, the relationships treat was okay. But I have to say this did feel like Silent Witness, but done by another production company. It, it, there wasn't any new ground broken here. You know, there was, you know, labs and technical stuff but it didn't really feel like there was anything particularly new and i didn't really relate to many of the characters at all they all had their own little quirks but nothing to really grab hold of i tweeted out after watching the first two episodes that i think this is my new favorite show 
really like it. Do you think something changes in that, or do you think there's more in the second yeah, episode? It slows down slightly in the second episode, but I thought episode one was an absolute killer. I really liked it. I see oh. what you mean about House in Professor Wolf Kinte, but I think also there's quite a large element of Sherlock Holmes, not just because Amanda Abingdon's in it, but also right. part Lupin as well, because you're dealing with a, a, a black professional with a lot of swagger, and a lot of confidence but he's got these character flaws that are fairly well hidden like you say until sort of halfway or two-thirds through the episode I think he's got a lot of pizzazz and I would be very happy to be a student in his class I've never ever seen I work at a university and I've never seen a room that looks half as cool as that forensic laboratory Um, and I've been in a basement full of robots it still didn't look that cool (laughs) also his wife's house was pretty cool as well Really good. Downsized, low lighting. I mean, you know, quite yeah. the quite the suburban. Although this I, is set in, I believe it's set in Liverpool. No, in the first in the first episode, I wasn't sure where it was set. I thought it was just going to be every city UK. If I think anything, it's I generic it was... northern town. I think. Yeah. Are there any running themes through it, or are we looking at the crime of the week? Very much crime of the week, but then you know we do learn more about Wolf himself and his family the team members as well his sort of surrogate family too i think you're right there in terms of the sort of the extravagant sets everything looks really glamorous Mm. there's a lot of color in here you know from amanda abington's hair to some of the the shirts and and hats that that wolf wears and and it is all very sort of quirky everyone's got their own little thing going on to an extent it did remind me a lot of no offense actually paul abbott's last show you know that was that was the police that was larger than life characters where i struggled here it was different than where gary was is i felt certainly in the first episode which is all i've watched so far the pacing was a bit off the way that they solved the crime just sort of happened i find it really strange that in both the episodes i've watched and certainly not even mentioned once in the first episode was how hard it is to be a black academic in the UK. I can't believe that Paul Abbott wouldn't mention race at some point. Mm. Um, Academia, although it's meant to be full of happy, intelligent, lefty liberals, it's still full of inequalities and universities are by no means as progressive as they'd like you to think. 25% of postgraduates are from ethnic minorities, but only 1% of professors are black. And I googled that and I I know that because of where I work, but that's just really easy to find out. As well, you've got a good ethnic mix in his team. You know, you've got another young black student, you've got the right hand person is is Asian. Maybe a later episode will touch on that. This reference isn't necessarily something that our younger listeners will know, but otherwise it just looks like a United Colours of Benetton advert and it's happy clappy. And we know from series that's on Netflix like Lupin, you can talk about race in a mm. in an educated way, but also in a programme that is otherwise fairly lighthearted, you know, despite this being about hideous murders and, and forensics, a bit like CSI, you know, it's still kind of fun. Yeah. Is there anything in Paul Abbott's previous work, and I know, Matt, you're a bit more of an expert than mine, where he touches on those sort of subjects? Is there anything in No Offence where he does something like that? I think it was series two where there was a whole um, thing about modern slavery. He doesn't shy away from the big topics, I don't think. And that was very much a female-centric show. I think what Paul Abbott tries to do is, is bring 
not minorities, but sort of groups marginalised. Thank you. That was the word yeah. I was looking for. And, and and as you say, it is still rare in you know 2021 to have any drama series fronted by a by a by a black actor really. And I think it's not something that's really brought up that this is a black guy and you know in a position of authority. I, I think it's it's good to see, and and maybe it should be talked about more and I think another show that this owes some debt to and and Paul Abbott I, I believe worked on is Cracker he wrote over he wrote loads of times for Coronation Street in the 90s as well mm. yeah well, I, I mean Paul, Paul Abbott and Russell T Davis and Sally Wainwright are all very much contemporaries of one another I believe they all worked on Corrie and they all worked on Children's Ward as well mm. at some oh point. yeah he's on that as well yeah. I probably would give the second episode a go because I thought it, it, the show moved fast enough to me. I wasn't looking at the clock. I wasn't doing all those things. I wasn't distracted. This doesn't feel bingeable to me. So I think I would watch another episode and see how I go. go. Sarah, you sound like you're invested already. I am. And that's so funny because one of the last things that I wrote on my notes was the phrase extremely bingeable. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. I, I like it when we disagree. This is important. We've yeah. got to give people, it, you know, different points of view on this. And I, I think I am somewhere in the middle. Like Gary, I wasn't compelled to watch the second episode straight away. Interestingly, you're talking about Lupin there. That's where that's what I'm sort of in the middle of at the moment, uh, catching up on that. So that to me has got, has got that. I need to watch the next one. I need to watch the next one. Mm. Uh, whereas this did not have that age. I think the only sort of hook that they had was that the new student, Dominique, has got some sort of shady secret. You know, she's breaking into Wolf's office at the end of the first episode. But I think maybe what they needed and what No Offence had, those stories that stretch over the course of the series, like a, a long investigation. I think here everything was wrapped up quite quickly. And I, 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 I felt... Like with all first episodes, you had to introduce your core mm. characters, but at the same time introduce the characters who are involved in the investigation. So there's yeah. so much to do. It in did the first seem episode. it did seem a little bit sad that both Ben Crompton and Kevin Eldon pop up, mm. and then that's it. They're done. I'm hoping that the bloke that his ex-wife is seeing will pop up at some point as you know a bit of an antagonist to wolf you know because he he immediately hated him didn't he when he found out how successful and all those yeah. kind of things he is and maybe enjoy, he'll be involved in a case you, enjoy later series, on. you will enjoy episode two then <laughs> okay because i think that that to me is what is the running storyline is more the relationships than the, the case just one final question sarah did you watch this on your phone <sighs> don't <laughs> don't Wow. Okay, right. So I, my Chromebook has reached the end of its life. There's a lot I can't watch on it anymore. Don't even, I mean, please write in if you can help, because I have no idea. I've come to the end of what I can do on technology and I am lost. Um, I didn't feel it appropriate to download the Now TV player to my work laptop. So I'm basically stuck using my phone. Also, who needs to download a player to watch anything? It's 2021. Netflix can do it in my browser. Why can't you? So I might have had some words with their technical advice line, but they did not give me any useful advice. <laughs> if you're interested in donating, the link is GoFundMe slash. <laughs> I think if you could just buy something, claim it on expenses through the website, Sarah. I mean, you look yes. into that. Yes. 
Yes, okay, so we're making this Luke's problem in his absence. Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. Well done. I've got the I, I, I make everything Luke's problem. I'm <laughs> like the I'm like the student. I've got the logging codes for, for the office where, where he keeps the pity. Yeah. So <laughs> uh yeah, so uh next up is a drama that was on at the same time, I believe. Fr- Friday night, which seems an odd drama night. Yeah. And an um, odd time, nine thirty. 9.30. Well, I think that's... Um, they didn't want any overlap with Celebrity Masterchef, maybe. Go from, you know, Mel Sykes making a risotto to 19th century seal bashing, as you do. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> seal clubbing. Seal clubbing. Term. OK. Yeah. Sorry, Gary. I, I forgot you were around at the time. Uh, so, yeah, this is set in... I, I think it's late 19th century. Starts off in Hull. I, I suppose this focuses on two very disparate characters who unfortunately are on the same ship. Uh, we've got Jack O'Connell playing Patrick Sumner. He is a um, ex-army surgeon who we find out has been court-martialed, had previously been serving in India, um, and takes a job to uh, go on this whaling expedition, as I say, as the, as the ship's surgeon. We also meet Firstly, Colin Farrell as this really Farrell's Farrell as Henry, Henry Drax. I mean, he he growls more than he talks. This man who will sort of kill you if you don't buy him a drink will plan on slitting your throat if he finds out you've got any jewels hidden on your person. He is the the harpoonist for on on this expedition. We've also got Stephen Graham playing the captain, uh, Arthur Brownlee. And Tom Courtney, who's sort of the representative from the whaling company. And there's some sort of plot there, I believe, to sink the boat and, and, and cash in for the insurance, something yeah. like that. The majority of this first episode did stay on, on dry land in, in Hull uh, before they got on the ship in the last 15 minutes. And there was a really um, brutal seal clubbing scene and and it ended with Sumner being in peril um, and and Drax uh, deciding not to to save him. Gary what were your thoughts on The North Water? It's tough to tell I realise that this is a book adaptation that that when I looked into it a lot of people have have said that oh they really enjoyed this book growing up and it's not one I'd ever come across before and and it certainly has its kind of piratey gritty feel to it um, you know, the, there was a lot of, of rum being taken. There was a lot of uh, young ladies being wooed, shall we say. I, I liked it. I don't know whether I'm going to keep watching it, though. I, I, I don't mind it. I just don't know where my interest is. Uh, and as you say, that there were a couple of scenes that were rather, you know, the, the fight scene in the bar was, you know, sort of like a bit silly. And then the seal clubbing was brutal. And, and, and I don't know whether there's enough of an interest in it to keep me going. But certainly the background of it, and as you say, the build-up was quite pleasant. The dialogue was realistic. It all seemed quite, quite good. The character Colin Farrell is obviously very good at playing that type of rogue. But I don't know if there was enough to keep me going. And and really, it was it was one type of character. Apart from the the, the super doctor, it, it was just rough, you know, shipment, you know. And it didn't really seem like it was going to be any interest. You know, these are guys that were just wanting to go to the next port and get rum and. It's not going to get any nicer. It's not going to get any easier because they're off to hunt whales. And that is a very nasty, bloody job as well. Like you say, it was a cast of brooding, threatening men, gloomy atmosphere, very meaningful glances and a very slow and stately pace. And even the music, I couldn't 
couldn't even call it music. It just sounded like creepy whale song throughout the episode. Mm. It was really menacing. Like everything about it was menacing. I've flagged the captain as someone would need to watch out for. I mean, Stephen Graham, possibly the busiest man in British TV drama. I think he's going to be the ultimate bad guy. Because he's been offered £1,200 to sink the ship and claim off the insurance policy. And it's strongly suggested that he's been dodgy for a while. And this exact play has been tried before because he was in charge of a ship previously called the Percival, which sank and eight men died. So was that an insurance job gone wrong? And is that going to be sort of the menace as well as the danger and the horrible, distressing work that these men had to do? Is the ultimate danger going to be, well, you know, he might just decide to sink the ship whenever. And if we we didn't have many broody men already. Peter Mullen is also set to join the cast at some oh, point. It's an outbrooding. Very masculine, and I think. Yeah. I don't. I don't mean to cast aspersions here, but I think it's probably written for male audience. I'm going to say a, a middle-aged male audience. You know, for for whaling dramas from the 19th century. <laughs> I mean, I love the sea shanties, but otherwise. <laughs> I don't think it's for me. I could have done with a little bit of change of pace from brooding and sinister and slow to like literally anything else uh, to keep me interested. I, I was clock watching a bit in this episode. For me, it took so long to get going. Mm. When they was I just, just wanted them to get on and get on the boat. <laughs> once they were on the ship, I really I thought it was really good, really atmospheric, really well shot and directed. And as you say, those those seal clubbing scenes were really, really brutal. Yeah. But it just it was just too much of gruff, growly men growling at each other in really dark rooms that you could barely see what was going on and, you know, telling the plot to but each also other. Also as well, you got you got the slightly out of place flashbacks, which didn't really add mm. much to the story. I know one of them was when he was unconscious. So you kind of, OK, you know, dreams and all of that. But then there were some others, you know, that obviously led back to his previous life and, and give you something to round out Jack O'Connell's character. But they didn't really seem to fit in with. But at least they rushed the story on a little bit. It was moving at a Wales pace. Mm-hmm. I they thought you were going to say a glacial pace. Well. Oh, I could have done that. Yeah, that would have been better. <laughs> I think I think it's just meant to give us a bit of sympathy towards him because he's the laudanum addict, which I can't believe we haven't um, mentioned already. Yeah, that's true. Um, yeah. What he's trying to say is that he survived a massacre in Delhi and he's suffering PTSD and he's self-medicating. And I mm. do really like Jack O'Connell as an actor. and I, I, He hasn't been around very much recently. You know, I think he is a charismatic presence and he is by far the best thing in this for me. But I didn't take to it. It took too long to get going. And I don't think he, any of us are going to watch anymore. And Sarah, you're certainly not, I, I believe, Gary. No, probably not. No, there's, there's, there's a lot else on that I think is going to catch my attention. There's nothing else like this on at the moment. No. You can certainly say that. This is different to dramas that are on at the moment or comedies. You know, th- this is this is a complete departure. Therefore, you know, it will have an audience who like this kind of thing. I think if this was a very serious film that was likely to win awards, I would probably go and watch it at the cinema if it was like two, two and a half hours. Yeah, long. it wouldn't be five hours, would it? And and they get on <laughs> and they get on the ship a lot quicker. Yeah. <laughs> we started our company, Girls Who Do Interiors, before we even graduated design school. And we turned to Chase for Business to build along with us. They had everything from banking to payment acceptance to credit cards all in one place. And with the Chase mobile app, our business is wherever we are. It's made for business owners who build to inspire. 
Learn more at chaseforbusiness.com. Make more of what's yours. Real customers compensated. Chase Mobile App is available for select mobile devices. Message and data rates may apply. JP Morgan Chase Bank, NM member of DIC. Deck your home with blinds.com. DIY or let us install. Free design consultation. Plus free samples and free shipping. Blinds.com invented a better way to buy custom high quality window treatments with no showroom mock ups or waiting around for quotes from pushy salespeople. Saving you time and money for the holidays with upfront pricing right on our website. Go right now to blinds.com. Satisfaction guaranteed. Satisfaction guaranteed. Shop blinds.com's Green Monday sale. Get up to 45% off plus doorbuster deals. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. <laughs> Check it out for yourself. Uh, BBC Two Friday nights, as Gary said, at 9.30 or all up on the iPlayer now. And now Gary's going to go off for about half an hour. Yeah. See you at the end of the podcast, Gary. Right, okay. Okay. We'd love to hear from you. Drop us an email. CustardTVReviews at gmail.com So so next up, we are going to discuss Alma's Not Normal, which is a new sitcom uh, which started yesterday on Monday night. All episodes, I believe, are available on iPlayer and Sarah is going to run us through uh, the premise. Um, So Alma is brilliant. I think she might be my spirit animal. Um, She's um, a working class girl from Bolton who is just iconic in her pink fur coat. She's absolutely larger than life, totally bubbly. Um, But actually, she's dealing with a lot of drama in her life, more stuff than she needs, really, on her plate. Um, she's got a messy breakup from a, a sort of kind of pathetic drug dealer, Anthony, who's already moved on and got a girl pregnant. And her life is full of powerful women um, and she's definitely one of them. But her confidence has been knocked. She's got no money, no job, no prospects and just not quite sure what to do with her life. But she has got a lot of charisma, and a lot of enthusiasm and she really wants to be an actress. The tone of the humour is so deadpan and tragic and pretty dark. I mean, I think the line that really like got to me immediately was uh, when she says um, she called herself the baby from train spotting if she lived. Mm. Um, and it was at that moment I realised this was the show for me. That is such a dark joke. So she she uh, lived her life as a sort of feral latchkey kid, rarely at school. Uh, but famously, one time she did go to school drunk in a bikini. I don't know. There's there's definite tragedy here, but the humour is is first and foremost, and the warmth as well. Because if you're dealing with um, a child who grew up in foster care, um, a sort of fragile, broken family mum who is who was a recovering heroin addict and an arsonist with drug-induced psychosis it all sounds really grim but it's absolutely not it's joyful it's emotional you go on a real journey with these characters and there's such a warmth to them it's clearly written with love like a love letter to the north and to Mm. people who might be a northern stereotype really i was thinking quite a lot that these characters will be at home with Carolina Hearn on the royal family sofa. Yeah, I or Victoria my... Woods or something like exactly. that as well. I think one of my most favourite exchanges was, have you ever made bread? 
no but once I bought a loaf that wasn't sliced yeah. <laughs> how was it? everyone is so endearing mm. I find um similar elements here to another stonking much missed sitcom which was raised by wolves by Catelyn Moran yeah it's another semi-autobiographical work about growing up in a working class family only that time in in Wolverhampton instead of in the north because I, I was reading about it's Sophie Willen isn't it the that's right yeah the writer and, and star here and, and it is as you say uh, semi-autobiographical she did have a mum who was a heroin addict and she did work as an escort as well as we see you know Alma it goes into doesn't she in the second episode that's right um, yeah so it is actually really based on her experiences which is interesting and and as and you say so refreshing oh, as well to have a, that diverse voice on mm. tv and, and i really enjoyed this as well you know i i liked as you say the, the diverse characters the fact that they sort of these were characters who said what they thought really as well i think that's something you know that none of them have got any filters really um, yeah there's no puss, pussy footing around no is there, right? I, I mean uh, her and her friend uh, leanne played by um jade adams uh, the stand-up i, I felt they're in friends with them so much <laughs> I think you can sort of draw a bit of a parallel there uh, with Nessa from Gavin and Stacey, perhaps. Yes. You know, this sort of larger than life, quite in your yeah. face. Um, Big and butch, but really sort of sexual and feminine and only. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, you know, when she's getting her on Tinder and, yeah. you know. I love the, the montage of them. I think maybe this is going to be a feature of every episode, but they always end up horribly drunk in each episode, and I love mm. that so far. Yeah, the, the karaoke, where she sings Time to Say Goodbye on the karaoke. Yeah, and that will be actual Jade Adams' real voice because yeah. she's got, you know, she's got opera training. She knows really? what she's doing. Whereas Alma is next to her, like basically yelling Spice Girls lyrics into a microphone. Out of cheer, yeah, out of I mean, sync. I have been on so many of those nights. I've yet to find <laughs> a single friend, though. Lorraine Ashbourne as the nan is brilliant. And there's that scene in the second episode where she talks about finding all her vibrators and taking them into school the next day. And as you say, Sh- Siobhan Finneran with, with those sort of teeth or lack oh, of yeah, teeth those magnificent got. teeth denture acting um but yeah get i mean getting actors of that caliber lorraine ashbourne and siobhan finneran to be in this sitcom perfectly got, cast as well mm, every character is, is memorable and yeah. and and it's believable and as you say it's got a lot of warmth to it a lot of authenticity yeah. to it and it is very very funny by no means does it it shy away from the hard stuff though because um she's trying to build a relationship with her mum and her grandma again mm. because mum and grandma haven't spoken in five years because of the chaos of having a drug addict in the family who couldn't care for her own daughter you know there's mm. that bitterness there's that resentment there's that tragedy there as well but at no point does it feel overwhelming and I, f- I feel because again I know we're going to speak about back to life later but I feel like I feel like Alma will cope. She's resilient. She's she has that innate sense of self to be able to cope with whatever life throws at her, you know? Yeah. And I I I really hope this is the case because I haven't seen the rest of the series, but I, I just want her to be okay. <laughs> I really want her to be okay. And I'm but I think she'll be fine because she's had this knock of confidence because she hasn't got a job and, and she thought Anthony was gonna be you know her world and she's got to get back out there back into dating and stuff again and and find this job um whatever it is whether it's sandwich artist or whether it's escorts i love the uh, stuff in the sandwich shop again that felt so authentic you know yeah. these supervisors who have got all the power and a very sort yeah. of 
you know, Guys, mini it's, Nazis. It's a family, really. it's not a corporate structure. <laughs> oh my God, I've heard that so many times. <laughs> it's the Northern experience, but it's that universality as well of like, crap boyfriends, crap jobs, difficult families, getting up every day and just coping with whatever you have to deal with, you know, and not losing your uh, sense of self or your sense of humour because of all yeah. this. And I think the thing with Alma as well, as you say, she's got this sort of self-confidence, this, you know, I am going to be an actress. And I think that's that level of resilience that the character has got through growing up the way she did. I think that's yeah. one of those things, you know, she's had to sort of go into herself that I will this will happen to me mm. it's almost like she's put on this character to cope with yeah what I life guess throws it's, at it's her. maybe that big furry pink coat is a suit of mm. armor for her mm. I love how when you know not to spoil the end of episode two but but when she does find that confidence in that very particular work setting mm. and walks through that hotel lobby like she owns the place she looks like um, a Bond girl but she's still wearing a pink coat and I'm like yes yes queen <laughs> this we love to see we love to see <laughs> I just think she's wonderful all praise to her and to this show I love it so much yeah me too so yeah so if our enthusiasm has rubbed off on you uh, check Alma's Not Normal out um, from now by the time this is released <laughs> um, and something else that's all available now on the iPlayer is another uh, sitcom Back to Life uh, which is the second series of uh, Daisy Haggard's I suppose this is a comedy drama isn't it I've seen it yeah, described so. um, the, we did discuss the first series back in 2019 yeah so this is um in this show daisy haggard plays miri miri um at the start of the first series had been released from prison after 18 years she'd been charged with the murder of one of her best friends lara the first series was sort of her dealing with life outside of prison coming to terms with the fact you know that she was 18 when she went in and she's now double that age but she's still sort of almost like a teenage girl living in a, a grown woman's body. That that was the character. And it was also almost like a bit of a mystery, piecing together what had happened, why Lara was so angry with Mary on the night of her death and, and, and piecing all that together. Uh, this second series is more around her rehabilitating. It's six weeks now after she's been released from prison. Uh, she's now started a relationship with her next door neighbour, Billy, played by Adi Alaktar. There are still bits of her adjusting to normal life. So she uh, tries to reopen the bank account that she has as a teenager. She uh, has a driving test. Also in this series, we see both of Lara's parents return to the town of Hythe, where um, Miri and her parents live. Um, the, the father to Lara is uh, John, played by Adrian Edmondson, who is a very sinister character, clearly has his wife. Uh, there's a, con a controlling relationship there. Uh, we also meet Billy's mum, played brilliantly by Mira Sial. And it's just really about her, um, Mary, coping with what's happened to her, desperately trying to move on, but getting pushed back by her past. Um, Sarah, what what what's your relationship with this show? And you know, did you watch the first series at the time? And oh my god, I was a champion for the first series. I absolutely adored it. I thought it was so clever how it was this 
comedy drama and I hate the word dramedy it's so inelegant but it, it does both so well in a lot of these things you find the drama element is not so dramatic or the comedy element is not so funny but this had equal footing and like you say the mystery element was incredible it was not something that I was expecting uh, I think I heard Daisy Haggard say something about she was inspired by true crime and by how women are or are not successfully rehabilitated after mm. prison um, and it was definitely a true crime element to the first one. And I was so pleased because sometimes, you know, like difficult second album, sometimes series two can be hard to replicate the same feelings, especially as we've gotten to know characters. There's less intrigue, perhaps. But in this one, I think the foreboding that Janice mentions at the very start of episode one, it's all in Adrian Edmondson's character, isn't it? Mm because he's so evil and so manipulative, but he's by no means, is he two-dimensional? Yeah. When he's at that grief support group, he just turns up and starts yelling and he's just full of cold, bitter rage about his daughter's death. I feel it. I absolutely feel it. Uh, and I understand. I was a little worried because Adrian Edmondson played the, the bad guy in the second series of Save Me. I don't know if you saw that, but I thought he was perfect here. I think it's yeah. that sort of insincerity that, that the character has you know he was the uh, police chief in the town previously so he's got that respect mm. of the locals which absolutely doesn't deserve because I don't think it's any spoilers to say um, that he groomed uh, Miri's friend Mandy mm. they had a relationship and then and then Miri um, took the blame for it and ultimately was involved in in Lara's death because of what her father had done, what he'd, mm. what he'd set in motion. So he is absolutely the villain of the piece. But like you say, yeah, it's not a sort of campy pantomime villain. It's cold and calculating and controlling with his poor wife who looks like, you know, she's a ghost living in her own life. Mm. Um, yeah, I was just going to say, I thought that performance was terrific. Yeah, I, if anything, in episode one, I'm more worried about his wife than I am worried about any interaction he might have with Miri because I think she can cope better than than his poor wife can. The sort of pivotal scene which I think comes early in episode four without spoiling anything that the the big incident when it happened I, I burst out laughing. Mm. Um, it's just the it, thing with this show like it mm. can make you cry and make you laugh within the same sentence it's incredible. And I think at the same time, though, it is it's very sweet natured at some points. Yes. I think the the relationship between Miri and Billy is, is, yeah. was was absolutely lo lovely. And I think Daisy Haggard and Adi Alaktar, their chemistry is just it's just very sweet. Is the only way I can describe it. It you is. Know. It's adorable. It's so tender, isn't it? Mm. I mean, I I see them sitting on their little bench by the beach, mm. and. It's so weird to me because I'm sort of stuck halfway between their stories. Personally, at the moment, I'm dealing with grief because Billy is a very recent widower. and But I'm a grown adult woman now living with my elderly parents. I'm stuck in between their lives and I take up the space between them on their little bench. And I can't bear the thought that their friendship or tentative relationship or whatever they decide it's going to be won't work out. You know, I'm rooting for them so much. It's not just... The central characters, Billy and Mandy and Miri. It's the rest of the town mm. as well who, even though they might not get a lot of time, we understand them. We know yeah. who they are and we know how they tick. The, Miri's parents are wonderful and so well drawn. 
especially Miri's mum is dealing with the forgiveness of these very unchristian Christian ladies of the mm. parish. Are, are the people you're asking forgiveness of, are they even worth it? Um, And especially in the first few episodes, I was wondering about what's the difference between pretending nothing's happened and moving forward after a a tragedy? Mm. How do you know which is healthy, which is unhealthy? How can you tell which is which? So I know this whole series is about forgiveness. It's about forgiveness of self as well. But it's also like, what is the healthy way to live your life? I know you mentioned it briefly, but Janice, the probation officer, is another character I absolutely love. I uh, hated her in, in series one. She was awful. I can't really remember her in series she was, one, if I'm honest. She was, she was all about box ticking. Mm. She had very little personal interest in Miri whatsoever. And she was kind of like a personification of all of the red tape that Miri had to go through to even get to a starting point in mm. life. But this, uh, Joe Martin totally deserves this bigger character. Um, yeah. And her just killer lines, even though she's still very, very gloomy, every line is an absolute killer. Yeah. I mean, the the, the fact that she always just has a biscuit for every situation where she yeah. gives her a wagon wheel. <laughs> she's my kind of person. <laughs> yeah. I, I think what it is is she has sort of grown to, to like Miri, hasn't she? That might be what it is. That's you know, right. she's... Yeah. She's won her round from being just another yeah. person on her books to actually this person that she cares for in the final episode yeah. when she sort of is there to support her in, I would just say, in her hour of need with without trying to, uh, <laughs> to ruin anything. Yeah, and I think that's one of the things I liked here is that they did iron out some of the little things that I wasn't particularly fond of in in the first series. There was the, the guy who owned the chip shop. I thought that was a bit of a, a loose end that I'm glad they got rid yeah. of the Scandinavian detective who felt like he was from a Nordic noir. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Daisy Haggard and and Laura Solon know exactly what they're doing, you know? They know these characters so well that nothing ever feels like a misstep and nothing feels inauthentic. Like you say, you just have to wait for the pieces to be tied together together again. If I had one criticism, it would be the, the, um, the police officer who's the, you know, who was the girl she bullied at school, who's yeah. now a police officer. That character stretches credulity at times. I think, you know, the final moments where she shows what, how incompetent she is. Mm. That was the only bit I was a bit, oh, come on. And, and I do like, you know, obviously me, me and you are around the same age. I do like the bits of 90s nostalgia. Uh, they throw in there that... I'm desperate to go and crimp my hair now and go and get some Tamagotchis to play. Tamagot- the, the fact that the Tamagotchi was the sort of the cent- one of the central plot points here, I think, and and the the tape recorder she was using uh, to yeah. not speak to her parents at the at the beginning of the. Of oh the first man, episode. I would have killed for a tape deck that looked like that 20 years ago. It was beautiful. <laughs> Uh, okay so again a show that we both really enjoyed back to life is all available on iplayer now sarah is there anything you'd like to promote at the moment on on your blog no not especially (laughs) (laughs) i seem to be working really hard for a blog called uh custard tv don't know whether you've heard of it oh yeah yeah um i suppose Luke, luke would like me to mention that the the site currently we're doing some uh, developments and trying to sort of craft a new identity for the site and I think he would like moment look any different at the moment to no, me no no it will it, in terms of tone I think content but we, it will have a, a fresh coat of paint 
at some point as well in in the very near future um what is the name of of your blog sarah so people can um, their I eyes am at dead TV, and I seem to be really popular with Americans at the moment which is nice um, because they're watching a lot of Scandi dramas so they're coming to me for episode oh, by well. episode guides okay oh. so if if you're an American there you go and and Gary anything to any any news any anything you'd like to share with us not, not really I mean I'm, I'm I'm starting a college course tomorrow I've got Ooh. my induction um, well, in so what? senior business management so it's nothing related to television no but, but it's I'm, still I'm, exciting yeah I'm, 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 I'm looking for a senior business manager yeah well no no i'm not working for him again no, <laughs> I've, done, I've done 10 years sarah for goodness it sake i mean it's like, sound like the premise of a sitcom though you don't understand, Sarah, the arguments I've had with that bloke. My goodness. I mean, you know, he, lo- he lives in America and he loves British TV. Now moves to the UK and he loves, Brit- he loves American TV. Will you just make up your mind? <laughs> Sorry. But yeah, that does sound, Gary, goes back to college. Well, I, I don't know. Do I get a card? I don't know if I get a student card and get to go. Oh, student- my God, definitely. Get a student card. They are so worth it. They're brilliant. Excellent. I'm Gary forward. does freshers. <laughs> Well, it's all online, so I don't oh. think I get to go to any of that, you know, so I'm disappointed. So my, my days of cheap cider are behind me anyway. I'm just thinking of the Steve Buscemi, Hello Fellow Kids line uh, meme <laughs> from 30 Rock, if you I remember that. that I get to, you know, I was really disappointed that I get to, get to live in a student house like fresh meat, you know. Mm. But that's only because I wanted to live with Charlotte Rich. Okay. I think we should we should shut it down. Okay, yeah. So and um, Twitter's at the Gary Show at Sarah Hamsterer. Is that right? That's right. Yes, and at Matt's TV Bites. I'm rarely on there. These are the two tweet a lot more than I do. Um, and we will be back with um, some other um, guests. I think Luke is is still away next week should think we will be covering certainly Stephen Graham again. His agent insists upon it. In the Channel 4 drama, which slips my mind at the moment. Uh, It's called Help. Help. I knew it had a one-word title. I could not for the life of me remember what that word was. You knew it wasn't Hey Jude. You know, you were okay. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And and thanks to Sarah and thanks to Gary for for joining me today. And we'll see you soon on the Custard TV podcast. Goodbye. You you steered the ship well, Matt. Well done, Captain Matt. (laughs) Bye. Rate and review us wherever you find us. Search The Custard TV on YouTube, iTunes and Facebook. Selling your car to Carvana is as easy as... As easy as pie? Sure. All you have to do is enter your license plate or VIN. As easy as a stroll in the park. Okay, then just answer a few questions and you'll get a real offer in seconds. As easy as singing. Why not? Schedule a pickup or drop off and Carvana will pay you that amount right on the spot. As easy as playing guitar. Actually, I find that kind of difficult. But selling your car to Carvana is as easy as... Can be. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to get an instant offer today.